stand and God we trust there is no fear united we stand and God we trust there is no fear united we stand and God we trust there is no fear there is no fear there is no It is finally time for a spanking brand new episode of Winning Street Weekly. I'm your host, Jason All, joined by our producer and contributor extraordinaire, Badlands Brandon, this week to get ready for week one of college football. Uh, week zero is behind us, and now we head to a week with an actual number, week one. Badlands Brandon, what goes on your way, buddy? Hi, everything's going good. Finally get to look forward to some uh, Power Five or more Power Five matchups than we had last week. I feel I feel kind of stupid. We agreed on a lot of stuff last week, and you know normally that scares a lot of people, uh, especially people that have listened to the show when we all get on board the same teams. But I went and I called you the other day, and I was mad because I deviated off of the plan. We had the plan. You executed, I deviated, and it cost me. It cost me dearly. Uh, if I would have stuck to the plan, I would have uh, would have cashed some tickets, but uh, thought I knew a little bit more than I guess what I thought, and it ended up costing me big time. Yep, you deviated. You deviated. That's not good. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good to call an audible, but we should have stuck with that plan. We discussed on Winning Streak Weekly last week. You've caught Winning Streak Weekly, the podcast. You can check out our podcast. We upload weekly to Apple Podcasts and to Spotify, as well as our podcast becomes Drive Time Radio right here in my hometown, beautiful Cleveland, Tennessee, every Thursday afternoon during Drive Time. Kick that FM dial over to 101.3, the buzz. All right, Badlands, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly since last week. If nobody will pat you on the back, you better be patting yourself on the back. So I'll pat myself on the back. Week zero, a pretty gnarly card of games. Uh, but I dug through that card, gave out eight picks on the program last week, and went six, four, eight. Seventy-five percent. I will take it. The good is that I had a winning week in week zero in college football is off to a positive start for me. Now, we know that you deviated. You deviated, or you could have been in a good with me there, Badlands, Brandon, because we agreed on every one of those eight picks. Yeah, and, you know, looking back, I don't even know why I did it. was stupid. We had a good game plan on, on last week's podcast, and I should have stuck with it. But I got to, got to watching those games, and, you know, one of the picks that I did, I was the Navy game, going out there, and you took that along with me. And that was one of my only ones that hit. I had Jacksonville State. I was watching flipping back and forth between that game. Saw that they were laying five against uh, in-game line against Utah. They were at 14 to nothing. I jumped all over it. I thought Jacksonville State was just going to uh, – Bruce Rodriguez and his team were just going to jump on Utah and stomp on them. Uh, anybody who kept up with that game, no, they did not cover the uh, 
five points as UTEP had a big second half and was able to put some points on the board and uh, just had a lot of things not fall my way. Um, took the under in the Hawaii Vanderbilt game, the second year in the round against Snake Bay. Vanderbilt trying to play that under and they always go over. So if I try to take the under next year and Vanderbilt and whoever they're playing just slapped me real hard because that was a terrible play. But, uh, you know, my hat's off to you. You had a good week, six of eight, 75%. Uh, nothing to snug your nose up at for sure. Now, nothing to snub. And that, and that Jacksonville game, well, that was a winner for our listeners and for me because I took them uh, plus one before the kickoff. They went up 14 nothing. You got on an end game and laid five, but they ended up winning by three, which uh, cut your nose off on the end game bet, but I was just fine with that pregame plus one. So the good, 75% for your host, Jason Null, and uh, winning streak weekly. We were on a streak. The bad, man, the Arizona Cardinals. The lowest win total in the NFL at four and a half games is is what you're betting on, whether they'll win or lose more or less than four and a half games. The only thing they really had was an experienced backup in Colt McCoy, who's better than most. A good backup, a very good backup in the NFL. And with um, Kyler Murray out probably for the entire season, definitely for the first three months, you thought, well, they'll at least have stability with their backup quarterback who has been there a couple of seasons. What do the Arizona Cardinals do? They cut Colt McCoy on the last day to tighten up rosters and bring in Josh Dobbins off the street again. So that tells me that they could give a flying F about winning any football games this year. They're positioning themselves for the draft next year. So I immediately jumped in my DraftKings account and bet the under four and a half wins for Detroit because if they're going to cut Colt McCoy, they have given up on the season before it ever started, and they can care less, and they are going to tank, tank, tank. Now, Badlands, we've got these survivor tickets we'll go into next week. Show bets, four survivor tickets in DraftKings survivor pool. Me, you, Big Daddy C, and Bully, all with the ticket that we're pulling together. I mean, we're going to have to really lean on, like a lot of people will, fading uh, Arizona every week, but I'm telling you, they that move tells me everything you need to know. They could care less about winning this year. I'd hate to be a season ticket holder. How about you? Oh, for sure. This is because, you know, already uh, so good offense. Mine is kind of great. you know, I think it kind of spells disaster for them. You know, a couple of uh, you know, all four of us, me, you, Big Daddy, and Bully, have all talked, and there was some talk about just riding whoever Arizona's playing. But uh, you, you know, I brought that up to you, and you even said, you know, we might not be able to take them every week because they are going to sneak up and beat somebody. Um, so we'll just have to pay attention to that. Yeah. Kind of, you know, kind of keep an eye on Arizona, but uh, just a bad thing. They needed a quarterback. They needed a stability. They had it in Colt McCoy, bring in Josh Jones. Like you, I think they're just hoping for a good, strong losing season so they can get a good draft uh, to try to rebuild. But I just don't know why you would want to lose that stability and putting in somebody like that. It's, uh, just not the right move. He's on the front office. Uh, really bad move. Thank for Paul McCoy. I like the guy. I liked him when he was at Texas. Um, just really hate it for him. I think they really screwed up by letting him go. 
Yeah, I mean, they, if they were trying to win and trying to make anything out of this season without their uh, highly paid five-foot-nothing quarterback in Kyler Murray, they gave it all away. They, they, they threw it all out the door with the stability they had with a great backup in Colt McCoy. The ugly? Well, you might see there's only two of us again on the program this week. Badlands, Brandon, and your host, Jason Nall, but no Big Daddy C-1000. And here we are, the opening week of college football in earnest, week one, and we do not have Big Daddy C-1000. Uh, Big Daddy C's been on most of the shows until this summer when he started battling a faulty internet over there in Bartlett and uh, couldn't pick up and get on the show. We had a plan for Big Daddy C this week, Badlands. We had a plan to get him back on the program. What in the world derailed our plan to have Big Daddy C on this program? Well, you know, I was actually looking forward to having Big Daddy C on and get our banter uh, back, as we like to call it, on the uh, uh, podcast and on the radio. And uh, I got an unexpected phone call from Big Daddy C 1000 about, uh, about 5 o'clock Central Time. And uh, we're actually supposed to go over to the track tomorrow to watch uh, the Utah-Florida game, so I thought he might have been backing out on me. But I answered the phone and uh, said that, uh, asked him if I was going to be on the program tonight, and I said, well, yeah. I said, I'm going to be on there with uh, Jason tonight and, you know, break down one point. He said, Badlands, he said, I just can't do it. And I said, what can't you do? And he said, I can't come on tonight. I said, well, what in the world happened? So apparently while Big Daddy C-1000 was out cutting those yards trying to get that boot uh, revitalized and replenished, he ran over a hornet's nest that was buried underground and got hit like he... <laughs> apparently got hit in the nest about 16 times and just really tore him up, said it felt like he was being electrocuted. I've never been electrocuted, but it sounds pretty terrible. Uh, said he had popped three or four Benadryl and he was just just really not even able to move. Uh, so he said he was going to take this week off and try to recuperate. He's probably already asleep by now. Uh, but uh, the reason Big Daddy C-1000 is not with us is he fought the uh, Hornets today uh, out there in Bartlett. And needless to say, Big Daddy lost that matchup to the Hornets. So he is at home recuperating. Big Daddy C on that riding line when we're trying to grab those last few dollars to fill that boot up for week one of uh, college football runs over a ground hornet nest, not once, but twice, no, three times, he says he accidentally ran over this hornet's nest, got them all stirred up. They chased him around on his zero-turn lawnmower, stinging him multiple times goodness gracious the ground hornets that is the ugly reason that big daddy c is not on the program now he did give me his top two plays so as badlands brandon and myself go over these week one games i will tell you big daddy c's top two plays all right one last thing before we cut to our first break I want to go over something that you heard me refer to last week and then our longtime listeners the last couple of seasons that I use uh, really heavily in uh, the early season uh, prognostics of college football. It's called stability scores. 
And I'm going to read you a little bit about stability scores here, just so you understand when I talk about these stability scores, what I'm talking about. Now, I didn't make up this system. I did not do it. But I'll tell you who did. A guy named Steve McKinnon. He's a contributor for VSIN Network, and he started a dozen years ago with these stability scores. And in a nutshell, the methodology for college football stability scores is this. Um, it's a quantitative way to determine each team's level of stability as compared to how they left the prior season. So it's a big strategy to talk about, are they stable? Are they coming back with the main pieces, quarterback, starters on offense, starters on defense, coordinators, head coach, all the things that make a team stable from year to year play a big part early, really early in the season. Because the idea is that the lines have not caught up to these teams that are more stable than others in matchups. So if you've undergone a lot of change in the offseason, maybe you should be faded in August and September while you try to figure it all out and get it to mesh. So in my opinion, it's a logic uh, that is fundamentally sound. So the uh, let me tell you how the scores go. So you get points, stability points. If you have the same head coach, you're going to get four points. If you have a new head coach, you get zero points. If you have a returning offensive coordinator, three points. New coordinator, zero points. Defense, three points. New defensive coordinator, zero points. Returning starting quarterback, four points. No returning starting quarterback, zero points. Returning starters. Zero to seven returning offensive or defensive starters get you zero points. Eight to nine uh, returning starters get you one. Ten to twelve, two. Uh, and so on. Uh, three, four, and five up to 22. So you take this, and the higher a score a team has, the more high, uh, the higher they are on the stability ratings. And you look for matchups between teams that bring back a relatively stable organization with their coach, their quarterback, returning starters, coordinators, whatnot, against a team that might be unstable because they have a new head coach. The quarterback's gone. Turn the roster over. A great example would be Colorado, right? Colorado and Dion uh, turn that roster over and have very few returning starters and a whole new coaching staff, and they're facing TCU. And TCU, uh, although they lost their quarterback, um, lots of other areas of TCU are stable. So when you see a matchup like that, it's not the only thing I go by, but I give it a lot of weight. And if that, along with some other things, match up for me, then that may be a big play early in the season. But I wanted to explain the stability scores and that matrix and how I come when I refer to those, what I'm talking about. If you want to read a full article on it, go to vsin.com, click on College Football Stability Scores for Week 1 by Steve McKinnon. Steve McKinnon gets all the credit for the system. And Steve McKinnon will tell you in that article that he's been doing this for 12 years now. Some years have been better than others, but he's never cashed at less than 60% when just blindly betting stability scores, the better stability scores. So if you add some other handicapping in there, 60% is a pretty good amount. You can make a living winning a 60% clip. But if you add other, other elements of handicapping in there, you might even raise that to 75, like your host, Jason Nall, 
hit last week, 75% in week zero. But that I wanted to preface before we get into college football because I use it a lot, especially in the first month. We're going to grab a real quick break. You have caught Winning Streak Weekly, the podcast. Don't go anywhere. I said united we stand and God we trust. There is no fear. United we stand and God we trust. There is no fear. week's episode of Winning Street Weekly. Now quickly before we get to week one, let's talk about how you can follow all our picks every day of the week as we post those plays on our Twitter handles. Our Twitter handle for the show and my picks are at W Streak Weekly. W Streak Weekly. Our contributor and our producer, Badlands Brandon, he is at Badlands Brandon. And then the ground Hornet King Big Daddy C1000 at Big Daddy C1000 on Twitter. Be sure to follow those Twitter handles. You can catch our plays each and every day as we put those in. Badlands Brandon, let's start with Thursday night. We got a, a big slate of games on Thursday night. I know you and Big Daddy C, assuming he's on the mend and can make it out, uh, are going to head over to the Southland Casino. And uh, play these games tomorrow night. Have some cold beers and watch them. What games are you most interested in here on Thursday night? This is going to be an early Florida's got to get off on the right foot and so does Utah. Um, I think the one thing that really stands out in this game is that loss last year that Utah suffered in the swamp, 29 to 26. Um, that was a tough loss for Utah. I know you talk personally about the grit and determination of that Utah squad. Um, I would say probably one of the best, if not the best, in the entire country. You're talking about a team that just never quits and never gives up and is always in it until the final whistle is blowing in the fourth quarter. The big question coming out of this game is the Utah starter, uh, Cameron Rice. He suffered an ACL tear late last year. Um, he had surgery on that. He's recouping from that. Uh, there's not much coming out of the Utah camp right now of what his availability is going to be for that Florida matchup. Overall, I think we're. Well, let me tell you, Badlands Brandon, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news for you, Badlands Brandon. Just about an hour ago, uh, Utah came out and lit and said that he Sam was doubtful, doubtful for Thursday night. Right. So the 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 charades game is over, and it looks like there will be no Cameron rising on Thursday night. Uh, plan B looks like quarterback by committee with people sharing series for uh, Utah. Now, with that in mind, continue your breakdown of this big game. Yeah, and I mean. 
now that we know that Rajin is doubtful for that game, I really don't think any risk came over from week one. For Florida, you know, there's also going to be a big question at quarterback. You know, what does life after Richardson look like? And it looks like uh, the Wisconsin transfer, Graham Mertz, is going to be the signal caller for Florida. Um, they're, they've also got a new defensive coordinator at Florida. And anytime you bring in that new coordinator, like you said, if you're looking at stability scores, that's going to be a big zero for them um, with uh, having a new defensive coordinator. The other thing that I think Florida's definitely got going against them here is they do have to go to Utah. Utah is in the upper elevations. Uh, Utah is used to playing in that environment, and Florida is most definitely not used to playing in that environment. So I figure we're going to see several of the Florida offensive linemen with oxygen masks over there on the sidelines uh, trying to catch their breath from playing in that upper altitude. But uh, finishing out my breakdown of this game, I still think Utah's the right play here. Uh, I think they're still going to – uh, have some salt in that wound from last season. And, you know, with that being said, I think the Utes are the play here. Uh, I would lay the points with Utah and say that their grit and determination in the upper elevation, everything stacks in their favor. Um, so I know me personally, I'm going to take Utah and I'm going to lay the five. All right. Um I think it's baked into this line to the best it can be that Cameron Rising wasn't going to play. The line's kind of bounced between Utah eight this summer when it first broke to uh, down to four and a half now as we speak at DraftKings. It's been at four and a half in the last three or four days, but then it bounced back up to seven when the thought was that Cameron Rising was going to be ready. But uh, now that it appears once again that Cameron Rising will not have a role in this game, it's back to four and a half. Uh, it's a little bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't for Vegas. If they go too low, people can play for the middle. Uh, I still think Utah finds a way to win this game at home, but there's a, there's too much other stuff that I can get involved in, like the over-under in this game, Badlands. I mean, we got quarterback by committee for Utah. We got a new quarterback for Florida. What is the best friend of an inexperienced quarterback? A good running game. So I'm going to bet that Florida and Utah try to establish a run, and I know it's tough for people. It's awful. Big Daddy C, I wish he was on tonight. He'd tell you how horrible it is to bet under. He can't stand betting those unders and sitting there and rooting for defense. But I like to watch that clock run, and I'm going to take step in there. Instead of betting the side in this game, even though I lean Utah, I'm going to take the under. 44, new clock rules and new quarterbacks on both sides. I think they'll try to establish the run the best they can, and maybe we'll see a defensive struggle here. And uh, I'll take the under, 44 in that first game. So, um, And I'm actually going to give that out as a, as one of my top plays of the week. I just feel like uh, these quarterbacks, with this quarterback situation, they're going to have to uh, establish – the run and I, with the new rules and the clock's not stopping on first downs, a lot of things in our favor. It is a low number for college, especially 44. Uh, but if you can stomach it, let's take the under in Florida, Utah. What do you think about that one, Badlands? I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sold on that. Uh, another running game might help complement it. I'm actually probably going to stay away from this game. In all honesty, I'm probably going to stay away from this game. Uh, I would have been more apt to play it probably if Rising was going to be in it. I think the line would be high. 
Um, I'm just putting it out there, just what I think. And I think still the smart play is to probably play Utah, uh, laying the points. I think they're going to get up for this game, especially after that loss they suffered uh, last season down in the swamp. Well, you need to make sure that you and Big Daddy C get to that sports book over in Arkansas early enough to get on this 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern game tonight, Thursday night for our radio listeners. Hey, pull over, get your pen out, write this down, and then get on your DraftKings app and get this play in because it's going to go quick here on the in the Eastern Times on 7 o'clock start, 6 o'clock Central. It's my play of the week. Of the week, I teased it last week. Said I had a big play coming on Thursday night. Here it is. Uh, Kent State scores a whopping big zero. Zero on the stability score. Zero. New coach. New offensive coordinator. New defensive coordinator. New quarterback. No returning starters offense. Three returning starters defense. It is a whole new squad for these Kent State flashes. While a uh, UCF and Gus Malzahn in the Jump House down there in Central Florida, they have a paltry 14 stability score. Uh, that's not the highest out there. 18 is the highest I've seen in college football, but 14 is a good stability score. UCF has it. They're laying 35 and a half. That ain't enough. They're going to score often and early, and I'm betting Kent State. They're going to take a little while to figure out how to get the offense going. I like UCF laying the heavy jumbo. 35 and a half is the number as we speak. Now, if I want to tell you the one thing that just scares me and gives me a slight bit of pause on this game is that this line has inched down. It was 37 a week ago. It's inched down, even with what I told you about the experience being on the side of UCF. It's inched down toward Kent State, now only laying 35 and a half for UCF. But I don't care. I, this is my favorite stability play of the week. Give me miles on in the jump house, Central Florida, minus the 35 and a half. Badlands, get there early. Don't miss out. Don't try to get on this one in game. Jump on it pregame. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think this UCF offense is just going to wreak havoc against uh Kent State, uh, everything that they're rebuilding on defense. I think everything just spells out UCF in big letters. I'm right there with you. I say you lay the heavy jumbo, you lay the 35 and a half. You might even contemplate laying it if it wasn't 37. Um, but this 35 and a half, I think I'm like you. They're going to score early and often. I could see them being up 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter, if not more than that. Um, so, yeah, definitely like your play there. I think you're on the right track. 35 and a half late. Well, if we stay on, I like Thursday's card. I wish I was with you guys. I wish I was going to be over at the sports book, but I can't make it over to Arkansas on a Thursday night. Uh, I'd love to. Um, but another game, 6.30 Eastern. I mean, 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern. Our listeners, 101.3 The Buzz. These games are just about to kick off right after we go off the air. So be ready to act. Uh, another big stability score mismatch, and I'm and I like this one. For a couple of reasons, uh, NC State uh, and Connecticut, UConn, Mora back, Jimmy Mora over there, UConn after having their best season turnaround season in a long time last year, after going, uh, they were one of the worst teams in college football during the COVID years. Uh, they had a good bounce, bounce back season last year. 
improving from 1-11 to 6-7. They outscore on the stability meter, NC State by 9, Connecticut by 9. So they're, they're a much more stable operation as we head into the season. North Carolina State lost a lot, uh, and uh, they are a 14-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at UConn. This is a huge circle game for UConn, a Power 5 opponent that they truly believe they can hang with and beat. I think they're going to give you their level best effort. 14-and-a-half points over two touchdowns you get with the Huskies at home. I love it. I'm jumping in both feet on these Huskies. Plus 14 and a half at home in their biggest game of the season. Where am I wrong on that one, Badlands? You know, I'm just a little bit concerned about UConn's ability to effectively move the ball against North Carolina State. Um, I know there's, you know, this is week one and there's still a lot of questions that have to be answered, but I'm just not sure in UConn's ability uh, really uh, to move the ball against North Carolina State's defense. I think UConn. I do agree with you that they're going to give you their best effort. They're going to try to get up for this game against the Power Five opponent. Um, the 14 and a half, uh, I'm just a little uneasy on. If I was going to say anything, uh, if they do get the offense rolling maybe uh, late in the first half or early in the second half and get some points on the board, I think I might take a shot on the over 46 and on this one. All right, I'm with you. You like the over on that one? Give me UConn plus 14 and a half, a little bit over two touchdowns. Our last game on Thursday night, another good matchup, Nebraska on the road at Minnesota. And you know Minnesota is going to have the big advantage on the stability score here with Nebraska turning over coaches once again. Minnesota, a 14 uh, stability point advantage over Nebraska. If you're blindly betting the stability mismatches, yes, you have to take this one. You have to take Minnesota minus the seven if you want to play all the mismatches. All right? I'm not doing that. I think it's fine if you want to do that. As I told you, the author of this uh, stability program has gone, his worst season has been 60%. All right? So you could blindly bet them all. I'm not going to. I like to look at them and see how they match up with some other things that I look at from a handicapping standpoint. And from this one, I just can't take take uh, Minnesota minus the seven because I know how good of a college coach Matt Rule is. Uh, can they compete on the road in conference this quickly? I don't know. So I'm going to pass this game. Badlands Brandon, Minnesota seven over under 43 and a half. Big 10 matchup on Thursday night. Nebraska comes a call. Well, I do have a little bit of insight in this game, and it's not too much, but I do have something that I want to point out here. So Nebraska does pick up uh, out of the transfer portal Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech quarterback, which is really going to provide a little bit of an offensive boost to Nebraska. I think Minnesota has lost a lot on both sides of the ball. They lost their big running back. Uh, uh, you know, I was big on Minnesota last year, and, uh, you know, as we worked through the college football season. But I'm going to tell you, I think everything right here in my head is screaming, just go go with my gut. And my gut says, don't take Minnesota. Take Nebraska plus seven. Um, 
you know, if this was a later game, once Minnesota's had a few games under them, I might switch my play here. But I don't think in week one, this is even a doubt for me, taking Nebraska plus the seven. Nebraska plus seven. I would probably lean that way myself. But since it's not a big play for me at all, and I'm really interested to watch the game, I'm sure I will dabble with the end game action on this one just a little bit. Um, let's go in and cover Friday before we grab our second break. Uh, Friday card, uh, Labor Day weekend starts on Thursday. Big games. I've already given out two heaters on my end, three picks, period. Uh, but if we go to Friday, uh, we've got Louisville and Georgia Tech. Louisville, seven and a half on the road at Georgia Tech, over under 48 and a half. I have no color commentary here, Badlands Brandon. But one of Big Daddy C's big plays that he asked me to share, he likes Louisville minus the seven and a half here. Where do you stand in this matchup? Well, anybody that knows me knows that I am not a fan of the triple option. I know it's been effective and it's been done, and I know they've worked their way away from the triple option. Uh, I still think Georgia Tech is still going to run the ball a lot, and I think Louisville probably knows it. I think they're going to have a defensive package lined up, even though they're running the spread. Instead of the triple option, they're still going to run the ball quite a bit. I think this is going to end up being a pretty defensive matchup. Uh, I think there is going to be some scoring like under 48.5 in this matchup. I think it's going to be a defensive strength. Badlands Brandon leans under 48 and a half. Big Daddy C1000 says lay the seven and a hook with Louisville. Um, any other games? I have one game I'm interested in on Friday. Any other these Friday games caught your eye, Badlands Brandon? So one of my biggest plays of the entire week over the Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday card is a game that takes place at 6 o'clock on Friday, and that is the Central Michigan versus Michigan State game. Now, a lot of people are probably wondering, why do you have such an interest in this game? Well, I can tell you why I've got an interest in it, because both teams, neither one have a defense. Their defenses suck. And I say that with a capital S. They both suck. But both teams can score. So... Crappy defenses, great offenses. What do you do? You take that 45 and a half and you say it's going over, over 45 and a half by a long shot in the Central Michigan, Michigan State game. One of my biggest plays of the whole weekend. All right. So you're telling me both the defenses are subpar. You believe the offenses can get it going. That is not much of a number, 45 and a half. If you get them moving early, you ought to have a decent shot at that one. Um, I have no opinion in that game, but I just wrote down as a hot pick for you and one that you have strong conviction on over 45 and a half. All right, let's keep going here. My game I want to talk about on um, Friday is the late night soiree, Stanford and Hawaii. We all saw Stanford uh, play spirited against. Um, against Vanderbilt, cover in the second half as well. And uh, they really got after it against Vanderbilt in the, in the second half and got things going. Well, the um, the stability score in this game is the biggest mismatch of the year. I mean, not of the year, of the weekend. Hawaii, 
point stability advantage over Stanford. Plus, Hawaii's got a game under their belt. Now, you say they might be tired over the mainland two weeks in a row. Uh, these are college kids, and it's early in the season. I don't think that rest will be a factor here. And I can also tell you this line has been pounded, Badlands. It opened at Stanford a seven-point favorite. Actually, no, it's not two weeks ago in a row in, in the mainland. Hawaii is at home hosting Stanford this week. So they can, they're back from Nashville to Hawaii, Stanford on the road to Hawaii. Stanford opened as a seven-point favorite. It's been beaten half, down to three-and-a-half-point favorite for Stanford. Hawaii, with all the stability points in this matchup, and and Stanford coming out with a um, with a new system, a new head coach, first-time head coach there in Troy Taylor. I'm going to take our guy, Timmy Chang. Timmy Chang, let's go. Hawaii, Rainbow Warriors, late night, get-out soiree. On Friday night, give me those Rainbow Warriors plus the three and a half. Badlands? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to put it this way. I'm going to root for you, but I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, I think Hawaii played a really spirited game against uh, Vanderbilt a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, I... I don't really follow the pack all that much, and especially the California team. Um, but, I, you know, it sounds good. The stability score is high. Um, Stanford does have the new coach and everything they've got going. I still probably would probably take Stanford uh, laying the three and a half. I just don't think Hawaii is really that good. They were playing the armpit of the SEC in Vanderbilt. Uh, I would like to think that Stanford's a little bit better than Vanderbilt. Um, but just in my mind, I'm probably going to flip you on this one and just say that Stanford finds a way to get it done in Honolulu. Okay, I'm going to argue that last point you made on Stanford being better than Vanderbilt. I wouldn't bet that uh, any way, shape, or form. I think they're both suck. But anyway, give me a Hawaii late night. Give me the points at home. Let's go. Nothing like the Rainbow Warriors after dark. 11 p.m. Eastern start on Friday night. All right, we're going to grab another break, and when we get back, we will finish out week one of college football. Don't go anywhere. I said united we stand, and God we trust. There is no fear. United we stand, and God we trust. There is no I said, united we stand, and God we trust. There is no fear. United we stand, and God we trust. There is no fear. United we stand, and God we trust. We're back. 
you have caught Winning Streak Weekly, the podcast where we are just looking to get on that next big winning streak and ride that wave. I'm your host, Jason Nall, Twitter handle at WStreakWeekly, joined by Badlands Brandon at Badlands Brandon on Twitter. Badlands, pretty good, pretty good card on Thursday and Friday. You know, we found a few things that we to draw our interest there. Uh, you can't hardly beat Thursday night. You kicking the weekend off over at Southland Casino in West Memphis. Uh, always, every week was like this. Always, we always had this many Thursday and Friday college games. Well, and it's just a little bit of a refreshing place to to actually have some games that are actually worth watching. Um, a lot of times, some of those Thursday night games, you end up with uh, Toledo or Akron or somebody like that, which, I mean, it's still college football, but uh, it's always better when you get some good matchups on uh, Thursday and Friday and, uh, you know, getting to go over to Southland and we'll have Minnesota and Nebraska and then we'll have uh, uh, Utah and Florida. That's always good. It kind of sets a good tone, especially if you can pick up that early win streak that'll propel you into Saturday and hopefully keep it going for you. That's right. That's right. Let's get the weekend going on Thursday. All right. Let's go with our game of local interest right over here in 101.3, the Buzz Country, Cleveland, Tennessee. These Tennessee volunteers host Virginia. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this one's in Nashville at noon on Saturday. Uh, Virginia not expected to make much noise in the ACC, and Tennessee coming off of a uh, uh, one of their best seasons in decades. Tennessee, 28 over under 56, Badlands. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty one-sided affair. The 27 and a half, uh, it's a lot of points. But as you um, pointed out there in your early statement right there, Virginia not expected to do much in the way of the ACC, while Tennessee in the East and the SEC is going to be one of the main contenders to contend uh, – uh, for the Eastern title, uh, if they can find a way to sneak past Georgia in their matchup. Um, Tennessee, uh, do you have their stability score right in front of you there? No, but you keep talking and I'll give it to you here so, in just a second. So if I'm not mistaken, Tennessee, I think we previewed in one of the earlier episodes that Tennessee had a pretty good uh, stability rating. And I think, too, having that uh, big offensive front that Tennessee has and their ability to beat you uh, with the long ball or with the run, I think that's going to be big. I think Tennessee is going to get out early and off, and um, Virginia is going to have a hard time uh, stopping that spread attack that they've got. So uh, in this game, I think it's best you just lay the 27.5 with Tennessee and just say they take care of business against a much weaker uh, Virginia opponent out of ACC. Okay, I can go with that. Tennessee with a 13 on the stability score. Pretty good considering, I'm sorry, 12 on the stability score. Pretty good considering we know uh, their starting quarterback is now in the NFL. Uh, and you lose four points for having a, having a, not having a returning starter. So, yeah, it looks like Tennessee should be able to uh, make quick work here and uh, get that first win, albeit. Uh, uh, against a Power 5 opponent. Colorado TCU. This one's interesting to me uh, just because of all the excitement around the Colorado Buffaloes. Hell, it's been since Eric Bieniemy was there since 
I've thought about Colorado as much as I have in the last six months. Uh, but they run into TCU, who probably doesn't care much about Colorado's story after getting their absolute brakes beat off of them by Georgia in the national championship game. TCU 20-and-a-half favorite over Dion Freon Sanders, Colorado Buffalo, over under 63-and-a-half. Give me some insight on this one, Badlands. So this right here is a game I've been waiting for you to bring up. This is one of my favorite games of the week here. And I might have a small parlay here with my Central Michigan. Uh, this might be something I throw them in a parlay with. So I'm not going to take anything away from TCU. A lot of people say TCU shouldn't have been in the uh, college football playoff last year. Um too many close games, um, even with their record, you know, they thought they were outmatched and come to find out they were outmatched. But they do have a guy coming back that anybody who, unless you've been living under the rocks for a while, Max Duggan, the quarterback uh, for TCU is back, and he's going to have some big offensive firepower waiting. But do I think that Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffs are just going to lay down at Max Duggan's feet? Hell no. I think Deion Sanders is going to have that Colorado squad, <clears throat> Colorado squad fired up. I don't know if you've ever listened to his pregame speech. I don't even play for Colorado, and I'm psyched to get out there and go play, man. This guy has a way of motivating his guys to get up for games. I'm, like, screaming at my TV when I see him in the locker room talking. The guy just has a natural ability to get people fired up. I think TCU wins this game. Do I think they covered the spread? Absolutely not. Take Colorado, catching the points here. I think Dion's going to have those guys fired up. He's going to have them ready to play. TCU gets the victory but fails to cover the spread. Okay. He likes Dion and the fired up Colorado Buffaloes with only a paltry two-and-a-half season win total, I might add. But he likes them getting the 20-and-a-half here. He says take Dion in his debut of uh, Power 5 Division One football plus the 20-and-a-half. All right, let me keep scanning down here, Badlands. If I miss a game that you want to talk about, be sure to uh, jump in and let me know. Bowling Green and Liberty, all right? Bowling Green and Liberty. This is my favorite game on Saturday. I love Bowling Green getting nine and a half at Liberty. You got two teams uh, that are kind of starting over. Liberty the most starting over, and their stability score is very low. Bowling Green not much higher, but I feel like Liberty with Hugh Freeze gone, their quarterback gone, their top receiver over a thousand yard receiver gone, only three starters back on offense and only uh two back on the offensive line, which wasn't and two of those are on the offensive line, which wasn't very good last year anyway. Bowling Green, they went into the portal and they got some power five players to bolster their offensive line that wasn't very good. Uh they've got a quarterback that was at Iowa State transferred in. And uh, he's played against uh, some of the some of the big schools, and um, and he's seen some some big uh, defenses out there. He's uh, he's got he's going to be ready for this Liberty 
team. I think he's going to pick them apart with a strong offensive line. I think they've got this this line completely flipped. I think Bowling Green should be the favorite by at least a field goal. You're going to give me nine and a half? I love it. Give me Bowling Green as my top Saturday play plus the nine and a half. Now, if you want to wait till Saturday to put that in, I wouldn't blame you. Maybe, just maybe, off a of name recognition alone, and maybe some people will think Hugh Freeze is still at Liberty or Malik Willis is still at Liberty, and they'll bet that up to 10, and we can get it at 10. That'd be even better on that key number of 10. But I love them. Give me Bowling Green plus the nine and a half. Uh, give me a game you're interested in, Badlands. So one of the ones that popped out to me, and I think it's uh, – I don't want to say a lot, but I still think it's a good game, is the Ohio State and uh, Indiana. Uh, you know, Ohio State is the same Ohio State it's always been. They're going to have that big offensive unit, and uh, I don't think Indiana is going to have much in the way to stand or slow them down. I think Ohio State wants to go ahead and uh, put their name on top of everybody's list for the college football playoff. I think this is going to be a statement game uh, for Ohio State. I'm showing them at 30. What do you got them at, 20? I've got Ohio State 30. 30. Drafting um, shows Ohio State 30, 59 and a half. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, this is a game to me that you got to play Ohio State. Indiana's not going to have anything. Uh, to stand in the way with Ohio State. So if you're looking for something maybe to parlay or just a game, just a straight-up game that you can take, I think the Ohio State is a great one to take, uh, minus 30. I really like that one. Uh, one of them that uh, is well, – This is good. This is good. This... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish no, no. Time. No, go ahead. I was going on to something else. Go ahead. Okay, I'm saying this is good. This is my favorite part of the show. Big Daddy C – if he was here, he'd like this too. Because I'm flipping Badlands, Brandon, on that one. I like Indiana plus the 30. I don't know who Ohio State's quarterback is going to be. And uh, this line at 60 over under tells me they're expecting Indiana to score some points against this Ohio State defense, which was definitely their weakness last year. You know Indiana's going to circle the wagons at home and give it all they got in this opening game of college football at home, hosting a the Ohio State, I'll run to the window to get those 30 points with Indiana. Give me the points. Give me the Hoosiers. All right, keep going, buddy. Uh, go ahead and jot that one down. I think you're going to take control on that one. Um, my next one that is of a little bit of particular interest is the North Carolina and South Carolina matchups. This is one that people might big want to game, circle. Big game. And I'll tell you why. So Drake May, who was a redshirt freshman last year at North Carolina, this kid comes out and throws for 4,321 yards and 38 touchdowns as a redshirt freshman last year. So why in anybody's yeah. mind would they say that North Carolina, I know they say that South Carolina is much improved and they might upset somebody big in the SEC this year, but I can tell you I don't think it's going to be North Carolina. I think North Carolina's offense is going to be fired up. I think they know that uh, May is their guy to lead them this season, and I think he's going to prove it. South Carolina is only returning four starters on defense and an offensive line that is reeling. Uh, they're going to have a lot of youth on that uh, offensive line. I think 
North Carolina State is going to um, they're going to use their defense to put a lot of pressure on uh, what's his name Radler or whatever. Um, and I think this is just a game for North Carolina. I would say lay the point with North Carolina. I think it's a good game. I know it's definitely one that I'm going to have either as a straight up bet or throw it in with a parlay as well. Well, to be devil's advocate, and I'll, I'm going to preface this by saying that I am not betting South Carolina, but but I will say this, nobody outside of Georgia finished the season hotter than South Carolina last year. They knocked off Tennessee and Clemson in the last three weeks of the season. Uh, Beamer really got it going there at the end of the season, and Rattler's back at quarterback. Uh, you could say that the, the coach-quarterback tandem is in place, and um, they might be able to go in and take down Mac Brown and North Carolina. But I'm with you. That quarterback for North Carolina, you know, he kind of reminds me of Andrew Luck, by the way. I don't know. Maybe it's that style and, and it's really a cerebral and just just a, a, a great passer of the ball and, and operator of the offense. But that's a game I'm excited about watching. And I really don't have a strong opinion on the front end. May jump in end game on that one if I'm watching it and I feel something uh, that makes me froggy. All right, um, I'm gonna skip around here to another game that I'm uh, interested in that might be not on everybody's radar, and that is going to be Iowa at home hosting Utah State. Iowa, a 23 and a half point favorite in this game. You might think, well, Iowa can't, they may not score 23 and a half points. Yeah, you know, that's a good thought. Iowa's offense has never been a juggernaut, but they did shut out Nevada 27 0 at home last year in a similar non conference matchup. And in four of their Big Ten conference games, they only gave up 13 points combined. Uh, they averaged just 22 uh, points a game against. Uh, far weaker defenses did Utah State last year. I think Utah State's going to be up against it to score against Iowa. Iowa with a plus eight on the stability advantage. It's kind of a sneak play here. Iowa laying a 23 and a half. Kind of got to hold your nose and bet it because, you know, Iowa's offense typically uh, starts slow. We're going to hope this is kind of a, a, a snowball effect. Iowa may be up seven at the end of the first quarter. 14 at the half, get a turnover, go up 21 in the third quarter, get the offense out there one more time for a touchdown, 28. Uh, then maybe they get another turnover and get points out of it. But I just got a feeling Iowa, with the stability advantage over Utah State, takes care of business, wins by the 23 and a half. You yeah, another I game, Badlands, that you like? Well, and I think you're go right ahead. on with that. I think you're right on with that comment too, because let's not forget that Iowa also brought in Cade McNamara uh, at the transfer portal from Michigan, and I think he's going to want to um, make a statement in this first game against Utah State. So I really like your play there. Uh, I think that's a really good play. Right. One of them, one of them that, one of them that caught my attention for Saturday, even though I don't really care much for either team, but I think it's worth mentioning is South Alabama at Tulane. Uh, you know, Tulane was kind of the darling team last year. Uh, um, cracked into the top 25 yeah. last year, and uh, they're at 24 this year. 
Um, something's a little weird in this game to me. Tulane is uh, less than a touchdown favorite at six and a half. Um, you know, I didn't know that South Alabama was, uh, haven't really looked into them much this year, but I would think that Tulane would still be the much better team in this matchup. Um, I don't know what all they lost last year. I'm going to have to do some more digging into this game before I can make up my mind 100%, but that six and a half looks pretty enticing against South Alabama especially with the way Tulane's offense was playing late last year. Uh, so that might be a game that you may want to think about circling if you need to work something in is Tulane laying six and a half versus South Alabama. Yeah, I was a little shocked, as are you, to see Tulane laying less than a touchdown there. Uh, sometime when there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe Tulane lost a little bit of – what brought them that great mojo and that great season last year, and maybe South Alabama's ready to take another step forward. They were very competitive last year. Again, dig into that one a little bit more, Badlands. Update us on Twitter if you come up with a play there. We're going to grab another quick break. We'll come back and we'll finish out week one of college football. I said united we stand, in God we trust. There is no fear. United we stand, in God we trust, there is no fear. United. I said united we stand, in God we trust, there is no fear. Welcome back. Thanks to everybody who's listened, no matter how you found us, whether it was on your FM dial, Drive Time, Cleveland, Tennessee, on 101.3 The Buzz, or maybe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Either way, you're in the right place for Winning Streak Weekly. I'm your host, Jason All, and I'm joined by our contributor, Badlands, Brandon, this week. Badlands, keep it going. I jumped to this one. I know you'll have an opinion here, or at least you can give us an idea. Your Baylor Bears, 27 and a half <laughs> point favorite over Texas State. What kind of year are you expecting from Baylor? So I think this is going to be a mixed year uh, for Baylor. It's not going to be good, and it's not going to be bad. I've uh, talked to my wife's cousin who lives uh, just a stone's throw away right outside of Waco. And the early word is, is that Baylor's looking at about a seven and five season. Uh, lost some key offensive production uh, last year. A lot of seniors uh, graduated off that team. They do have about the 18th year starter, Blake Chafin, back again. Uh, I don't know how long that guy's been there, but I can tell you he's been there a minute. Uh, so that is good news for Baylor fans. We do have him. Uh, they'll still have Richard Williams in the backfield. Uh so that'll actually be helpful for Baylor. And uh, um, I do think that uh, Baylor's going to have some good games where they upset some people. One game in particular, I think they're going to upset is Texas. Now, granted, that's a ways off. Um, but I do like Baylor in that matchup. I think uh, Texas is still not going to be where they need to be this year. Um, the 27 and a half against Texas State, uh, I actually went to the, uh, that game last year in Waco. Uh, I was in the stands for that one, and uh, uh, I'm going to give Texas State a lot of credit. They played Baylor uh, 
good first half. Uh, Baylor ran away with it in the second half. One thing I don't like is that 27 and a half. Um, I would probably just play it safe and maybe take a shot on the over. Texas State did score seven, I think it was 20, 17 or 20 points last year. I can't remember right, but right off the top of my head. So they are going to put some points on the board, but Baylor is for that matter too. So if you're going to play that one, just take a shot on the over. All righty. Brandon, big Baylor Bears fan. There's his insight into Baylor in the early part of the season. So uh, next on my list for Saturday plays, uh, if you listen to our college football preview, you know that I shocked the world with my pick for the SEC West. And for the college football playoff in Texas A&M Aggies, Jimbo bringing in Bobby Petrino as offensive coordinator. No better time than week one to get that thing going. Give me Texas A&M. I'll lay that 38. Cherry on top of even changing offensive coordinators, Badland. We know cost Texas A&M three points in the stability rankings. They are still... I have an 11 point stability advantage over New Mexico. So you've got two number one recruiting classes in a row and a top three recruiting class that Bobby Petrino has uh, to uh, build his offense around. Lots of playmakers for Bobby Petrino. The defense was already strong at AM. I expect it to stay strong. This over under is just 49. Nobody seems to think New Mexico can score on AM. Uh, so, yeah, I love it. Give me A&M, lay the 38. They are going to set the tone in this first game. I say they will score 50 uh, under Bobby Petrino. I like A&M easy over minus the 38, one of my favorite games of the week. Uh, Badlands, unless you've got another one, let's jump to Monday night, the big game on Monday night. Um Florida State, LSU. Florida State, you know, upset LSU last year to start the season. Kind of LSU kind of gave that one away, actually, in the fourth quarter. Now uh, the game flips. They play again. Florida State catching two and a half, over under 56 and a half. Is the right team favored here? Should LSU even be favored in this game? Um, Badlands. Just a quick correction. I don't know if you heard yourself. They went to Sunday, not Monday. That is Sunday at 6 30. Sunday, September oh, 3rd. Six you know, all these days of football. No, that's <laughs> you're, you're right. No. We got Clemson and Duke on Monday. So this won't round out the show. Sunday night, hmm. 6 30 Central, 7 30 Eastern. LSU, Florida State. Take it away, Badlands. So everybody that watched our preview show in week zero, uh, we gave out our pick for the SEC West, and I put mine out there that LSU would stand alone on top of the SEC West. I think, hands down, LSU is one of the top premier teams of the country behind Jaden Daniels and Brian Kelly. Um, Definitely uh, a playmaker in Jaden Daniels with his ability to beat you either way with his arm or with his feet. Uh, that LSU defense is freshly recharged. Um, some talent coming back in there. I think this game is going to be really close. I know uh, that game last year was uh, really tough and a hard-fought game, but I love LSU. I'm going to ride LSU until they prove me wrong, but I shouldn't be riding them. So 
anytime you ask me about LSU, I'm probably going to be leaning on them. I think they're, again, I say one of the premier offenses and premier teams in all of the country. I think they're going to prove it. I can't wait till the show where we can talk about uh, LSU and Texas A&M playing because I know that's your team to win the West. LSU's my team to win the West. So I think that's going to make for good conversation. But uh, I'm putting a lot of stock in Brian Kelly and uh, Jaden Daniels. So hopefully they don't let me down. But the spread I love, I say lay it. Go get them Titus. I think the stock of Brian Kelly and Jaden Daniels is going to tank. I've already bet LSU under the nine and a half on their season win total. I think they're overrated. I think Brian Kelly's a fish out of the water in the SEC. I think he got shithouse lucky last year down the stretch, beat Alabama and Baton Rouge. And uh, I just think they can't return to that same form they had last year. So I took the under nine and a half win totals. And for that reason alone, I'm pulling for Florida State to give them their first loss of the season. I don't really like the game outright. I'm going to watch it, but I'll be pulling for Florida State because I have the under nine and a half season win total for LSU. But let's go to Big Daddy C1000. And he gave this out as his second big play of the week. Big Daddy C, again, I have no color commentary. Don't know why he likes it, but I'll tell you, he likes the over. He wants you to jump on the over 56 and a half. All right, now we'll round out week one of college football on Monday night. Clemson and Duke in an ACC matchup. Duke uh, surprised everybody, especially me and Badlands in week two last year against Northwestern, and had a better than expected season last year. I would say Clemson and their high standards underperformed last season. But now Clemson, they have parted ways with DJU. Uh, they're All-American, or they're a five-star quarterback who just never worked out in Clemson. And uh, Duke looking to keep it going. Clemson 13, over under, 55 and a half. Close us out, Badlands, on this last game of the week. What's your opinion well, here? Well, my opinion is, or the first thing I'm going to say, my opinion of this is I'm not going to touch this with a 34 and a half foot pole. Uh, I'm snake bit on Duke. Um, you know, I still got a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth about uh, that game we had last year. But now, you know, yes. now we really, now we really get to find Clemson uh, with their quarterback being gone. You know, what is, you know, what is the prognostic for uh, for Clemson as far as what they're going to be able to do this year? I think Duke is one of these teams that you know, I kind of almost compare them to Utah. They've just got so much fight, so much grit in them. Um, you know, Duke overperformed, Clemson underperformed. I think this is um, a little bit kind of a Super Bowl game um, for Duke a little bit um, to go ahead and punch a top 10 team out in week yeah. one. I think that would do their season a lot of good. Uh, Clemson minus 12 and a half. I don't think uh, I don't like that number. So let's just say that Duke gets up for this game. They ride that. Uh, street that they had last year and try to carry it over into week one of the new season. Let's take Duke catching 12 and a half. Okay. I can live with that. I think you're right about it being Duke Super Bowl. Uh, I think you're going to get their level best. Whether it's good enough to play within two touchdowns of Clemson, we shall see. All right. That is all the games that we're going to go over. We've given out a lot of plays. Uh, if you're listening on the radio, you can always go catch our podcast. 
on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts to re-listen and write down some of those plays we gave out. But as we uh, get ready to exit, I will give out my Big Daddy C's top plays, my top plays, and then I'll pass it to you, Brandon, to give out your top plays of the week. Big Daddy C 1000. Um, all those sidelined and bedridden after a bout with ground hornets while cutting yards to try to fill that boot up with a few more dollars as we head into week one of uh, college football. He did send us two plays. He likes Louisville minus a seven and a half and Florida State over 56 and a half. Those are Big Daddy C's two plays. I had a lot of plays. I don't know if I can narrow them all down. So I'm going to spit them all out at you. Utah under 44. That's getting ready to go tonight. Hawaii plus three and a half. That's a Friday night, late night, get out special. Best bet back on Thursday tonight. Just about to go. Pull your car over. Log into DraftKings. Get down on UCF. University of Central Florida laying 35 and a half. I like Iowa. Minus 23 and a half. I like UConn, Thursday night again, plus the 14 and a half. Bowling Green, give them to me, my favorite Saturday play. Bowling Green, plus nine and a half. I'm going to flip Badlands, Brandon. I'll take Indiana, plus 30. And uh, that's going to be it. Those are my big plays of the week. Go through them. I think my favorite one of the week is probably UCF on Thursday night to blow the doors off. Oh, I left out one more, Badlands, just one more. And that would be Texas A&M minus the 38 to get the big engine rolling for Bobby Petrino in week one. Now, the floor is yours, Badlands, Brandon. Give them to us. So I came up with three games that I'm probably going to tile together in a parlay. I'm going to put this out on Twitter and probably sometime tomorrow. So leg one, Central Michigan versus Michigan State. We're going over. We're going over 49 in that matchup. Um, Ohio State laying the heavy jumbo with the 30 is going to get tied in there. And the other one, a little bit of a risk and a little bit of a gamble, but if everybody won every time, they would call it winning. North Carolina gets the win, minus one and a half against South Carolina. All right, there's the plays. Like Badlands, Brandon said, be sure to follow those Twitter handles, and we will post them on Twitter uh, before the action starts. We gave you several plays for Thursday night. Our 101.3 The Buzz listeners, jump to action. This is your call to action. Game's about to go. Um, we like some Thursday night games. Get in there, and let's get the weekend started on Thursday night. Everybody, have a great college football week one. Have a great Labor Day weekend. For Badlands, Brandon, I'm your host, Jason Nall, and we are out of here. I said united we stand, and God we trust. There is no fear. United we stand, and God we trust. There is no fear. United we stand, and God we trust. There is no fear. There is no fear.